God is doing in this series that we're entitling, Let's Go. Let's go. We've been looking through the book of Nehemiah and hearing from this Old Testament prophet that was burdened with the broken down walls of Jerusalem. Now, just as a recap, for those of you that maybe have, have missed uh, the, the last few weeks, we've made it through chapters one and two. And what we find is there's a man by the name of Nehemiah who is a cupbearer for King Artaxerxes I. A cupbearer would be the one that tastes everything before the king gets it to make sure there's no juju in the juice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no pressure in that job, that occupation, right? That's not something you would wish on your children as they pursue a career. I want you to be, make sure there's no poison in the food, right? Who does that? No, but that's what, that's what Nehemiah was. He receives word from his brother about the broken down walls around the city of Jerusalem. Keep in mind, Jerusalem represented everything Yahweh, everything Jehovah, everything of God, the people of God. And for the city walls to lie in rubble was a disgrace, it says in the book of Nehemiah. It was a disgrace. And Nehemiah has had one of those Popeye moments. You guys know Popeye, right? You know Popeye, right? <laughs> Nehemiah has one of those moments. That's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. And so he sets out and begins to do something about the destruction of Jerusalem. We know that Nehemiah was a man of the word, and we pray that you would be people of the word, but we know that Nehemiah spent enormous amounts of time in prayer. Come on. When you combine the word and prayer, there is power. Something happens. Come on, 11 o'clock. You better talk back to me. I know we got Maggiano's waiting afterwards, but if you don't talk back, we, I will keep your tail in here all day. Just kidding. I'm hungry too. Nehemiah is burdened and he begins to get a plan from the Lord and he prays and he gets papers from the king. He goes to Artaxerxes and says, listen, I must go to Jerusalem to help with the destruction. Keep in mind, Nehemiah's never been to Jerusalem. So he makes his way across the desert. He goes and he surveys the wall. He's got papers from the king. That's important. He has papers from the king verifying that he has the authority to come and to do what he needs to do. Papers for the king, signifying to, to, to the gentleman in charge of all of the timber in the forest. Hey, listen, whatever Nehemiah needs, give it to him so that he can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We looked at last week, and Nehemiah begins to survey. He begins to share that vision and that plan with the people, and people are now getting excited about it. We're going to look at chapters three and four today. I'm not going to read a lot of chapter three to you because I just have to be honest with you. There are a lot of names that I can't pronounce in it. It's just, it's, it's a hard, and you would laugh at me and it's just not, I don't need to be ridiculed. Okay. And so we're going to let you trust that. But really what you find in chapter three is a list of all the different clans, all the different family units that began to set out to fulfill the vision that Nehemiah has now cast. We're going to rebuild this wall. Now, remember, Nehemiah, the king asked him in chapter two, how long will you be gone? He said, um, it may be 12 years. But we know that because of the vision, but more importantly, because God was behind the vision, that that wall was built in a record time of 52 days. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many of you know that with God, all things are possible? And what seems like an impossibility, oh, uh-uh. It's just an opportunity for God to show off. Look at me, you know, and stretch and strut his stuff. 
chapter three, we begin to find that people began to get involved. In fact, verse one starts with the religious leaders. The priests are the ones that actually start rebuilding the gate, the sheep gate. And, uh, you know, I'm just reminded that when it comes to rebuilding things that are broken, and, and when it comes to rebuilding things that are broken in, 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 in maybe something like this, the church, when it comes to rebuilding things that are broken in, in our culture, come on, our nation is broken, is it not? It's going to require all of us. It is going to require all of us to accomplish all that God has for us. Nehemiah knew that he was not able. He could not construct and rebuild on his own. And so he begins to just cast vision. He begins to share with other people and they begin to drink the Kool-Aid. They begin to get excited and collectively together, they accomplish what seemed impossible. Listen, when it comes to rebuilding a church, listen, it's going to require all of us in order to do that as well. I love what Paul writes in the book of first Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 12. He says this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. That's the way it is with the body of Christ. And in verse 27, he says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is part of it. Guys, as we look at the broken down walls of our church, as we look at the broken down walls of our culture and our nation, it's going to require all of us. Not one person alone is going to be able or capable to pull off this rebuilding process that needs to take place. I want you to know that as we look about rebuilding this house of God, right? We've gone through some difficulties. There have been some things that have crumbled. And Listen, it's going to require all of us. Listen, it's up to you and me, the body of Christ, to come together. Hey, this country that is in disarray, we need a move of God. Listen, that move of God will not just come from one house of worship, but other churches together, pastors, leaders, Christians coming together to rebuild what the enemy has destroyed. Hey, can I encourage you with something today? In fact, I'm going to invite you to be a part of a rebuilding process. I want to encourage you to find a place to serve. I want to encourage you, if, if, if this is your house of worship, is, if this is the place in which you plug in the most, listen, I want to encourage you to find a place to serve as we rebuild, as we build the kingdom of God. We're not trying to build our name. We're trying to lift high the name of Jesus, okay? But it's going to require all of us to find a place to serve and get involved with that. Now, listen, if you're new to 1910, you just have to, we believe in serving big time. Because we believe that that's what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus was a different rabbi. When most of the rabbis of his time were just so good about talking a big game, Jesus didn't just talk about it, but he lived it out. He modeled it, right? Hey, by the way, if you're a business leader, if you're a leader in any organization, students, as you set out on your future, and, and some of you will, will, will uh, uh, sit in leadership roles in some form or fashion. Listen, leaders need to model what they expect those under them to do. That's what Jesus did. Jesus would talk about it, but he lived it out. And guys, listen, I think prayer is important. And they found him time and time again. Where is he? Oh, there he is. He's praying again, right? Hey, listen, people are a big deal. We find time and time again, Jesus being compassionate. Listen, I want to encourage you to find a place to serve. We at 1910 believe in serving. 
But I know that there are a lot of people that won't. Listen, so many people in the church of America today are content just to sit and soak. They don't show up. Or you better feed me. You better say something cool. You better give me some new truth that I don't know or what. And, and so many people in churches across the world are just content to sit and so just consume, right? Well, we think a little bit differently here at 1910. We don't sit and soak. We sit and serve. <laughs> you know, we sit one, we serve one, that type of thing, okay? Because we believe that every growing disciple is a serving disciple. Are you with me there? But I know that not everybody will get it. Not everybody wants to serve. So many people just want to check the box off and come and sit and say, I went to church today. Good for you. Good for you. But what are you doing to build the kingdom of God? What will you do with the rubble that we see in our culture around us? Will you step up and do something with what's been broken? Right? Not everybody in the church will. That's why we see so much dysfunction and so many things happening Oh, that just hurt the heart of God, even within the body of Christ, right? Some are content just to sit and soak. In fact, I'm reminded in this passage of scripture in Nehemiah chapter three, I believe is in verse five, as they're listing all the different clans and what they were accomplishing. There was a group of people from Tekoa. In fact, it says that the people from Tekoa, their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. There will be some people that are content just to sit and soak and not contribute, not do anything. You know, the loudest boos often come from the cheapest seats. I'm not going to say it again because I prayed this morning that I would be biblical and not critical. I don't want to be critical. And there's, but sometimes the Bible hurts us, does it not? But seriously, I just, I can't help but think that maybe one of the reasons we're seeing the enemy have a heyday in, in our nation is because we as the blood bought, the redeemed, the sons and daughters of the king, the saints and heirs to the throne, we're content to just sit there and not do anything. And on our watch, we've let the enemy just run rampant. Am I talking to anybody today? Yeah. But, but it's, it's funny to me that oftentimes the, 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 the loudest critics are people who who even when they're in an organization, they don't do jack squat. They don't do anything. They don't. They're not serving. They're not giving financially, you know, and, and they get all torqued off when something goes awry. I'm like, man, be the answer to the prayer. Step in and fill, find a need and fill that need. Won't you help get behind with, with your resources, your time, talents, and your treasures to help us advance the gospel and build the kingdom of God? Come on, somebody, Right? But there are people, and there were people here in chapter 3, Nehemiah said they're not going to do anything. The people of Tekoa, whew, if that's your clan, I'm sorry. Y'all lazy. Y'all didn't do anything to help my brother Nehemiah out with this construction project. It's going to take all of us. In fact, I love how they did this, were able to accomplish this insurmountable task. People said it couldn't be done, but I love Nehemiah's approach. Now, keep in mind, Nehemiah spent enormous amounts of time in prayer, and it was through his times of prayer that the plan was revealed to him. You see, Nehemiah and them were able to accomplish something insurmountable because he had an incredible plan. In fact, here, here, here's what it says in verse 28 of chapter 3 real quick. It says, each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. 
So keep in mind, the, the wall, and I'm going to share this with you next week. So when I share these statistics, go, wow, that's amazing. But I'm going to go and let you know, you're here at 11 o'clock. They built two and a half miles of wall. Nehemiah didn't challenge those clans. Hey, listen, guys, we need to build two and a half miles of wall. That's not what he did. Nehemiah said, hey, why don't you start this? Why don't you take that section right in front of your house? See, walls back in the day were for protection. Uh, walls symbolized power. Walls were, were, were things of beauty as well. But Nehemiah said, hey, listen, if, if, if your family is important to you, if you desire to protect your house, why don't you just start with, with that section in front of your yard? You, 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 you build that. And that's what you see happening here in chapter 3. Family after family, clan after clan begin to just take care of the portion that they were responsible for, the portion in front of their home. They were passionate about that. Can I ask you a question today? As you look about the, around this house and the things that might be broken or, 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 or in rubble or things in our country, what are you passionate about? What are you invested in? What's a big deal to you to see it being rebuilt? Is there anything? Maybe for some of you, we've already honored some of these today. Maybe it's students. You know, maybe, maybe you gave your life to Jesus when you were in middle school or high school. Statistics say that 85% of decisions for Christ are made before the age of 18. That means we got to reach kids and students with the gospel. Maybe you grew up in a single parent home and maybe there was another youth worker, a youth pastor. Somebody took you to camp and they made a difference in your life. Am I talking to anybody? Maybe you're a parent and you've got a student. Maybe this might be one of those areas in which God is saying, hey, listen, why don't you just start there? That's a portion that you ought to be passionate about. Why don't you rebuild there? Hey, hey, what about, what about kids? Whew. Whew. You got kids? You ever want to give them back? Hey, listen, Sunday's my only day off for my kids. Well, you should have thought about that before you had them. Y'all know how kids happen, right? You played a role in that. You got kids. Moms and dads, I can't think of any greater lesson that you show your kids in serving in the house of the Lord. Hey, and, and I'm not asking you to be a part of your kids' lives. Pour into somebody else's kids, right? But maybe that's a portion of the wall. That's a big deal to you. As we rebuild this joint, right? Hey, oh, I love this one. God, these things are heavy. I should have picked up smaller rocks. What media? What? <laughs> Suddenly our media booth wakes up back there. They're excited. Technology. Aren't you thankful that in a thing called the Rona, that we had something called the intranets and that every pastor in America became a televangelist overnight as we begin to broadcast worldwide. And there were Bible studies. There were Zoom groups for you. There were ways for student pastors to connect with students. We were closed on this campus. Actually, we weren't closed. We just did church differently. Um, for about 17 weeks, we didn't gather like this, but we still made ourselves available through technology. Aren't you thankful today that the lights look good? I'm thankful we should have put the skinny lens filters in on our camera today. To maybe, but aren't you, those of you watching right now, aren't you thankful for technology? Shoot a note to our media team right now. Say, thank you for what you do. But some of you are gifted this way. You want to run a camera. Maybe you can help us there. 
Maybe you can, can, can run video. Maybe you can push lyric screens and help us there. Is that a big deal to you? Maybe you're passionate about that. Maybe you are someone who is into administration. You, you like to organize things. You like to plan things. I'm telling you, man, there are so many opportunities around this house. Linda, Linda's laughing over there in charge of our office. You know, some of my favorite people are the ladies that show up each week and roll T-shirts. So they look nice and clean whenever you get one, right? Or, or what have you. There's so many, some of you are wired and gifted that way. And you don't like, man, I don't like the processes. Or, hey, we need to shore up this register. Well, get involved. Quit complaining about it and do something. We could use you, right? Maybe that's a portion of the wall for you. Man, I'm sweating bullets up here right now. This is so hard. Oh, I, I love this. You know, one of the reasons, one of the things we work hard on is how we welcome people when they show up here. Were you greeted this morning? Come on, you, you, you know that when somebody, somebody shows up at your house, you want them to feel welcome, right? Some of you make them take their shoes off. We're not that crazy, but, but don't you love it when you can find a place to park? Um, I love coffee. So glad we have people brewing coffee. Hey, hopefully you were greeted or high-fived or maybe even side-hugged right? When you walked in today, listen, people want to know that they're valued. People want to be welcomed when they show up. Maybe you can join our greeter team. Maybe you can help in our parking lot. Maybe there's something you can do to help us as we welcome people to the house of God. Is this helping anybody yet? Because if not, I'm out of breath. It's hard on a fat man. I'm telling you, this is a horrible sermon illustration right here. I love this. I love people that create spaces for a move of God. And here's what I'm talking about. This campus looks so good. Our facilities teams, they mow, they prune, they plant. We caught a raccoon this week. Come on, somebody. And that thing tasted good. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't eat. No, we took him down to, if you live along the Guadalupe River, you have a new resident there in your neighborhood. But, but they mow, they clean this place looks good. This is a house of God. We ought to take care of the temple. Are you with me there? But maybe you can run a mower. They won't let me on it. I don't know why, but maybe you can. Maybe you can push a broom or mop. I'm telling you, man, we got a piece of equipment that scrubs floors around here, the Zamboni. I love it. It is awesome. Maybe you can set up chairs. Maybe you can move tables. I'm telling you, there's so many things you can do to create spaces for people to fill and the spirit of God to be ushered in. Am I talking to anybody right now? Hey, maybe you like to study the word of God and maybe you can teach people in a creative way. Teachers, I know that you're ready for Thursday to happen as you get rid of those savages that have been in your classrooms, those banshees that have been. But, but, but maybe you've gift, been gifted to teach, to take biblical truths, Gavin was up here. Gavin talked about being called Miss. Gavin led our Hill student ministry Wednesday night and preached. He preached circles around me. I learned some stuff. I rededicated my life. I feel called to missions right now because of that sermon. It was amazing. But maybe you can teach. Maybe there was somebody in your life that took a biblical truth in some form or fashion, Billy, and they unpacked it in a way that even you and I could understand. You know what I'm saying? They painted a picture for you. Maybe that's your gift. Maybe that's something God wants to use you to do to help us rebuild the house of God. Oh, here we go. 
This one's awesome. I debated on this one because I wanted to make you happy. And I know that oftentimes when we talk about this, people get all freaky when you talk about money. People get freaky when you talk about finances, do they not? Why? Listen, God has blessed some of you guys. He's leveraged you in some incredible, all of us have something to give to the house of God. You remember when Moses and them were building, constructing, listen, he had to tell them, hey, listen, y'all need to quit bringing all the supplies. You guys are bringing way too much. You'll never hear a preacher say that. Because something's happened from the Old Testament to current day. We don't give. We don't sacrifice. Listen, do you want to see more things happen? Or wish, listen, it takes money for us to build the kingdom of God. And by the way, let me just remind you, it ain't yours. And, and, and you're not going to be able to take it with you. Could I encourage you to begin to invest in kingdom building right now? Students, if there is any lesson I want to encourage you with, hey, listen, you need to give the first 10 of whatever you make to the Lord and watch him bless the remaining 90% of it. You see, the culture tells us, hey, you better hang on. You better save it all. Gas prices are crazy. Wow. Maybe you ought to start walking. But maybe, maybe I'm just telling you, just give to the Lord and see what he does with the 90% you have left over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. When you handle finances his way, there's blessings. Again, it, seems, it doesn't seem right, Jason. It doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, neither did building the wall in 52 days. Y'all are all like, what's the next one? Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And I know that there's some people here that you've had people pray over you. You've had people encourage you in some form or fashion, right? We, we had a gentleman in this last hour that just been healed of leukemia because people pray. I know that doctors are great and God uses medical personnel, but I'm telling you, prayer changes things. What are you passionate about? What's closest to your heart? You see, that's what Nehemiah is doing here in chapter three. Everybody took a portion that meant something to them. And when everybody began to work together and contribute the wall was built. It wasn't just the priest and the Levites that did it, but you had goldsmiths working next to perfume makers. You had priests working right next to the common everyday shepherds, but everybody came together and they worked. Now, as we've been talking about in Nehemiah, it's still true today that anytime you set out to do something for God, there's an enemy that's going to try to keep you from it. Just try that this week. Try, try to do something that you know God would have you do and watch the attacks come your way. You see, that's chapter four of Nehemiah. I'm going to read to you just a few parts of it that I think are important for us today. But in the very first verse, we read about one of the provincial governors by the name of Sanballat. It says that Sanballat became very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a what? A rage. And he what? He mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? 
Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap? And they're charred ones at that. Now, I had another hater. There was another guy that had drank the haterade. You know people drink haterade, don't they? There was another one by the name of Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him. And he also said, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. And man, I love what Nehemiah did. He got torqued off and he began to, let's get ready to run. No, it's not what he did. Look what the verse says. Then I, what'd he do? He prayed. He prayed. Hear us, our God, for we're being mocked. May their, may their scoffing fall back on their own heads and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. You see, Sanballat and Tobiah and some of their friends, they wanted more power. They wanted more control over the city of Jerusalem. And they knew that what Nehemiah stood for, what God had spoken to him, would be a threat to them. And so they did whatever they could to discourage the rebuilding of the wall. I want to encourage us that, you know, you're going to face opposition and struggle. It's no surprise to many of you that we have faced that here in our church. And, 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 and there's been some opposition that has come up against us. And, and I want you to know that the Lord told Angie and I very early on in September, he, he, he gave us our plan of attack. And it was this that I would share with you that I believe that is found here, that I believe is going to help you as you face opposition that will surely come your way throughout life. Refuse to respond and let God fight your battles. Can, can I just encourage you with something in, in a day, in an age in which we have so many keyboard warriors? They do that, don't they not? Have you ever tried to respond to one of those? What happens? It fans it into flame, does it not? The Lord has just told me that, hey, I'm, I want you to remember who I am. Jason, I want you to remember you have papers from the king, and I want you to let me fight the battles for you. Listen, there are some people you're never going to satisfy in life. And I just think that, more importantly, we ought to steal a page from our man Nehemiah's playbook. And we ought to pray and let God do what he does, right? I love verse six real quick. I'm sorry. It says, I'm not, I'm not sorry. I'm, anyway, verse six says this. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. And here's why I'm reading verse six. Look what the people did. It says, for the people worked with, come on, hey, they worked with what? Thank you. That's better. These people loved what they were doing. For a hundred years, they had been living with, living with broken down walls around them. And, and, and now they have a chance to be a part of rebuilding what the enemies destroyed. And it says that they didn't work begrudgingly. They didn't work because Nedra McLeod was out there with a sign up clipboard saying, would you come serve and help us in kids ministry? You know, 
They worked enthusiastically. I, I, I can't help but think Nehemiah couldn't stop what these people were doing. Now, we know that as you read through chapter four, that, 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 that they got a little discouraged and the insults continued to come their way. But make no mistake about it. We need to learn from the, our brothers and sisters that built the wall in Jerusalem. Working from the Lord, for the Lord should bring us great joy. You ought to be excited. Hey, if you're a leader here, we don't call them volunteers at 1910. We call them leaders. Leaders lead. Leaders serve. If you're a leader in this house, man, you get out of bed on Sunday mornings. Woo! I can't wait to get to the house. Some of us get more jacked up about fresh produce at HEB than we do about serving in the house of the Lord. Some of you ran around crazy like banshees last night when the rain came, didn't you? And we thank God for that. Amen. Come on, let's give him some glory today. But I believe there ought to be great joy when we serve the king of kings. Amen. We're working for the Lord. But we can continue in verses 7 through 14. There's a lot of scripture there. I don't want to read it all for you because um, there's just a lot. But but there are some key things. And I I love when, when it says that, 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 that as they continue to face opposition, Scripture says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Listen, I know that we as Texans are pretty proud when it comes to the Alamo, isn't And we say things like, remember the Alamo. And, and I'm excited for that. I wore kind of my Alamo moment shirt today. It's awesome, right? Something. But I think that as we rebuild walls, as you rebuild things that are important to you, you're going to need to remember your God. You're going to need to remember the promise that he gave you. You're going to need to remember the calling that he placed on your life. You're going to need to remember the vision that he gave you because the haters will come. The enemy will come and try to distract you and you need to remember your God. Scripture goes on beginning in verse 15 says, when our enemies heard that we were, we knew their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. Verse 17 says, the people who were standing behind the wall. Labors carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. See, the plan was not only rebuild the portion in front of your wall, but Nehemiah also had, had devised a scheme that would keep them on task. The chapter ends where the people, they worked daily, sun up to sundown, they continue to work. But here's how they worked. Nehemiah says, I want to give you some things. He says, you need to keep your implement for construction, whatever it takes to build in one hand. We can't forget the rebuilding process and let's not forget, let's, let's take care of our portion of the wall and let's build. But remember that there are going to be enemies come our way. And they're going to try to talk us off the wall. They're going to try to slow us down. They're going to try to discourage us. That's why you also need to have a weapon. 
so that when the enemy comes to try to destroy and tear down and keep us from moving forward, we will fight. Hey, let me just ask you, what is it in your life that's worth fighting for? Hopefully we all have some of those things. Moms and dads, you, that's awesome. Moms and dads, you, you, you have fought for your kids for so many years. You've gotten them up early. You fed them a good hearty breakfast. You got them off to school and you believed in them and you made investments and you fought for that. You pushed them, you challenged them when they didn't want to study, <laughs> right? Is your marriage worth fighting for? Will you defend that? The enemy would love to destroy that, would he not? And he wins so many times. Maybe there's a relationship, a friendship that's worth fighting for, and you're going to stand and protect that. And when people are talking trash, you know, you're going to remember what you know about your friend. Is a pastor worth fighting for? Is a church worth fighting for? What about a colleague at school or that you work with that is made fun of and is an outcast and has become the brunt of many people's joking? What is it in your life that's worth fighting for? You see, Nehemiah called the people to build and did not remember the vision and the plan that God had for them. But he also knew that we must fight for what we believe in. And so today, 1910, I want to remind us that we have a responsibility to build the kingdom of God. Will we work hard with everything we have, knowing that it's going to take all of us Will we stay connected to our clan, to our family? See, we need one another. Just look to the person to your right or to your left. and We need each other. It's going to take all of us. That's part of the vision with this thing called neighbor nights. I can't wait to tell you more about that next week. Just getting to know one another and fighting for one another. Will we protect the house of the Lord? You know, the enemy loves to heap disgrace and shame on the house, does he not? And I'm just wondering, as the people of God, do we believe enough in rebuilding it, but also protecting it? Hey, could you stand with me today? And, and, and we're going to sing just kind of a closing song today. And Listen, God is the one that will grant us success but we have a responsibility to work and rebuild it. And as Marcos begins to lead us in this song, I just want to invite you to come forward today. Those of you that would say, you know what? I'm in this. I'm in it. Just go and make your way to the front right now as we worship. I'm in this. I want to be a part of what God wants to do in this house. 
I'm going to be a part of this rebuilding project. You know what? I'm going to take ownership in my part of the wall. I'm going to step into a passion, an area that I'm passionate about. And Pastor Jason, you can count on me. Brother and sister next to me, you can count on me right now as we rebuild this. God, here we are. Use us in this moment, God. Use us in this moment as we step out to be used by you for your glory. Use us, Lord. With arms high and heart abandoned We can't do everything, but we can do something. Here we are, God, use us. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrender all I am is yours. Who will stand for the Lord? to take ownership and offer this heart oh God completely to you burn burn clean my head alright purify my heart I want to burn Yes. for a group of people that will be willing to say enough it's time to rebuild 
God, our lives, maybe in your life today, there's something that you know is not God's desire for you. It's time for you to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to rebuild you. What is it you see in the house? It's church. You say, you know what, God, I, I'm going to step into this section. God, I want to, you to use me. I want to burn for you. God, use me here to re rebuild. What about something in our culture? Something that you see is broken. That maybe God is calling you to step into. To make a difference. We can't do everything. But we can do something. We can do something. And it's going to take all of us. So, Father, today, just put your hands out. Let me pray a blessing over every one of you here. God, today, I pray blessing, favor, anointing, provision, more than enough. I pray for stamina, endurance. I pray for focus. God, may we step out and step into the brokenness around us. And God, may we, instead of looking for other people to take ownership of it and responsibility, God, may we step into that right now. Lord, what we see is broken and lies in rubble. God, may we step into as your people and say, God, we want to rebuild. No longer a disgrace. No, we're going to rebuild for your glory and yours alone a weapon in one hand and a hammer in the other. As we rebuild, let us work hard. And God, let us fight and defend what is right. All for the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. We do this for your glory, for your fame, and for your renown. It's in that name of Jesus that we pray. Everybody in this house said, amen, amen. Can we just give the Lord a round of applause today? As you leave here today, please know that our ministry team is going to hang out down front. And if we can partner with you in prayer, we believe in prayer. If we can partner with you and encourage you in any form or fashion, don't miss this moment. Now, guys, the work starts now as we leave here. May we be people of the light as we go into a dark world that's in need of rebuilding. Go in the power and in the name of Jesus. Before you do that, though, yes, Pastors Mark and Hope, come on up here. I'm so sorry. My wife, thank you so much. I got caught up in the moment. And I just, I want to introduce to you an answer to prayer. How many of you know that God answers some prayers? Amen. Come on up here. This is Pastor Mark and Hope Sarbulescu, all the way from Seattle and Alpharetta, Georgia. Let's go. Let's welcome your new student pastors.
Pastor Mark and Hope just got married a couple of weeks ago. That's why they've come from different areas of the country, but they are converging here in beautiful Bernie, Texas. You guys are an answer to prayer to us. We've been praying a long time. Listen, you're coming in. This church has been built on incredible student ministry for years. Have we not? Come on, somebody. We have been blessed with great leadership. And so you guys are going to continue to have an opportunity to build on what's already been laid because God's not done. He's not done. And there's more that he wants to do in you and through you. You guys are an answer to our prayer. Before we do that, though, we need to make sure that you guys have purified your hearts and that you guys are right. And we just need to make sure that Pastor Mark has a character flaw. He's a Lakers fan. And so we thought it'd be great. The Mormons have their underwear. We have our Spurs nation. Amen. Garments, holy garments to put on. We are excited. I want to ask you guys, will y'all go down there? If you guys don't mind, I want to, I want to have these people pray over you. For those of you that are, Raymond, I know you're not afraid to pray, are you? I want you guys to be right here for the saints to put their hands on you guys and to pray blessing, favor, and anointing over you guys. And as they do, remember, our ministry team will be down front to encourage you in any form or fashion as well. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this power couple you've sent our way. Thank you for Pastor Mark and Hope Sarbalescu. God, thank you for how in your divine plan, when you created everything, you knew that they would be the ones called for a time such as this to lead our students to the next level. And God, we thank you for answering our prayer for called anointed leaders. That's what we have in Pastors Mark and Hope. God, they are a blessing to us. And we know that you've got greater things yet to come. This house has been built on incredible student ministry for 16 years now, God, and you're not finished. There are still students that are hurting that need the gospel. There are still students that have bought into the lies of the enemy that they're insignificant and not worth it or that they've done too many things in which God would never want a relationship with them. God, there are still students that are buying into culture's view of what purity looks like and has such a low view of it. God, I just know that you're going to use Pastor Mark and Hope to call students to another level. The enemy's going to be mad. Y'all need to know that. That's why we stand around them today, an army of saints that will support them and lift them up. God, I want to give you in advance the glory for what you're going to do through this team. I pray that they would continue to be dependent upon you, keep their eyes on you, their ears would be dialed into your frequency, Lord. They would only speak and do those things that you've guided and, and called them to do, God. But God, may heaven grow and may the enemy be torqued off. <laughs> We give you the glory in advance. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. You now may go and eat in the name of Jesus.